This episode of the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They act as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that grow your business. For a free workshop, email them at workshop at extensionmarketing.com. Now here's your host, Pat Whalen. On this episode of the podcast, I speak with Jason Lee. He's the founder of Smart Cone Technologies. We cover a wide variety of topics, including how he uses the knowledge he has gained as a horse trainer to create a better work atmosphere for his employees. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Jason Lee, CEO of Smart Cone Technologies, and I'm proud to be here at the Auto Entrepreneurs Podcast. Thanks for coming on the show, Jason. Appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited about it. Um, why don't you tell our listeners a bit about Smart Cone uh, Technologies and, and, and the company? Sure. Smart Cone Technologies, uh, well, we've been developing it for 10 years. Although we actually officially registered Smart Cone in 2015. And uh, the company was inspired for helping war fighters and first responders say, uh, stay safe in their, uh, in their missions. They're giving their lives to protect us. And um, I had the, uh, I say pleasure because it was a pleasure, but it was a trip. I went to Afghanistan, Kuwait, Bolivia, all over the place and uh, experience some of the things that uh, our warfighters go through. And uh, it was glaringly obvious to me that technology companies and business companies uh, on, you know, back home could do a lot more to help keep people safe. And that's what inspired uh, Smart Cone to exist. And, uh, and I'm just honored that we're meant this far and I'm excited about it and you know giving back is the big thing so nice and you're on year five now is that correct uh 2015 so I guess that's year what three now yeah, okay good but uh we started the development in 2009 so it's almost a decade that we've been at it so did you go so uh, kind of take me through the process did you go to these uh, to these other countries with the idea of you're going to start a company based around the needs of, of or kind of take us through that no that's not what happened actually I went there to I was working for another company at the time when it first started and um, and it was, it was wireless technology and uh, it just turned out there were so many different things going on that uh, there's lots of needs and opportunities so after I left the organization I was with I wanted to start my own company then and um, I just started establishing relationships with people who were in uh, those areas and uh, started identifying with the needs and created a solution. I had the, some of the knowledge and capability of doing it, so it turned out to be uh, something pretty decent. Long, hard trip, though. I bet. Yeah. So were you, were you, did you always have a bit of an entrepreneurial uh, uh, side to you? Or did this kind of reveal itself when you're, this idea came to you? So I had no idea I was born an entrepreneur <laughs> until I became an entrepreneur. Okay. And then you hear people, you know, have the discussion, are they born or are they made? And so a story came to my mind about my past when I was eight years old. When you, you know, eight years old, you're playing hockey in Canada, right? Right. You got to sell hockey tickets to pay for your hockey. Right? Like, ra- R- raffles? Yeah, raffle yeah, okay. tickets. Right. That's right. Like raffle right. tickets. Anyways, so and nobody likes to sell raffle tickets. I mean, that sucks when you're eight, right? <laughs> but you have to do it, so I did it. So I went down to the local mall, came back 45 minutes later, sold all my tickets, and, uh, you know, gave the bag of money to my mom. And, and uh, you know, this is my brother, who really hated selling tickets way more than anybody, crying and upset. He's older. My mom comes and she says, can you help your brother sell these hockey tickets? I'm like, no. Who wa- I sold mine. I don't want to do this, right? She goes... Please, he does. He's not very good at it. And I said, "Well, that's not really, you know, 
my problem and you know I had to do it right right and uh, she goes come on help your brother out and I said I'll tell you what this is how you know now I know that I'm an entrepreneur I'll tell you what I will sell your hockey tickets if you take out the garbage for a year nice trade well done. oh yeah. yeah he goes done right so then I'm like okay I'm just about ready to charge off to the mall again and my mom stops me to up the ante a little bit <laughs> she goes you can't just go to the mall and sell tickets without getting permission first. And I go, where does the guy live? Just right away. <clears throat> and she tells, she tells me. And it's all the way across town. Like, mm. big high. I'm only eight. You know, big highway. So I get on my bike, and I ride all the way over to his house, and I ding-dong, you know, ring the doorbell. This massively big man called, Mr. his name's Mr. King, and he looked like a king, just a huge man to an yeah. eight-year-old. Yeah. I said, Mr. King, my name is Jason Lee, and I'd like to sell these tickets at your mall, if that's okay with you. And he goes, absolutely, thanks for asking. <laughs> so I got on my bike, went back to the mall, sold the tickets, came back 45 minutes later and said, there you go, have fun doing the garbage. Nice. <laughs> now, 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 did he play the Big Brother Trump card and refuse to do the garbage? Oh, no, no, he did the oh, garbage. Wow. It was great. I mean, he, no, your, he, your brothers are better than my brothers. Uh, I, I would have been hoodwinked. I would have been, yeah, do it for one week and then I'm the youngest. So. No, he, yeah, my yeah. brother's been very, very good support of me all the way through the nice. process. But it turned out later on, by the way, when I was 15, my first job was working for Mr. King. He owned the uh, Canadian Tire in town so any, I, did any chance he remembered that oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he, yeah. he remembered he said yeah. oh jason welcome yes absolutely i'll hire you i'm like hey right on oh, nice. so it just my whole life has always been about that yeah and um you know there's this uh mo a lot of people think that you know entrepreneurs are always motivated by money because entrepreneurs generally make money right mm -hmm. that's not what's uh, motivated me it's uh it's just something inside of me where I see things and want to make them happen. And uh, that's it. I, just, I can't stop it. It's just happening. So that's how I know that I'm an entrepreneur. And uh, I've worked for companies. And, and when I left my last job, I remember saying to my boss, you know, I thank you very much for the decade I've worked here. I really enjoyed it. But I feel like a bumblebee in a shoebox. I need to go do my own thing. And, uh, and I did. And did the boss recognize, did your old boss, did, did he or she recognize that in you? He was telling me for years. You know, it was he was the first guy. That, that sounds like a great boss. Oh, he was an amazing guy. Yeah. Amazing guy. Okay. I just love him. He's fantastic. We keep in touch now. He's really uh, one of the best people that I've, I've ever met and a big inspiration to me. But uh, he, I remember when I when I first worked for him, I've never had a sales role before. Aside from selling pizza at Pizza Hut. But I'd uh, never been a salesperson before. And uh, I was more technical, and I like technical stuff. I come from a family of engineers. Anyways, he goes, you're not going to put you in sales. I'm like, I'm not going to sales. Everybody remembers Herb Tarlick, right? I, yeah, I grew up course, in the Herb Tarlick era. Yeah, and I'm like, I am not a salesperson like Herb Tarlick. No way. And uh, my parents used to tease me about that all the time. Could sell ice to an Eskimo, you know? Yeah, yeah. So he goes, no, no, you should be in sales. I go, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm very technical. And uh, anyway, so he said, just try it. Just try and see what happens. Day one of sales, I was like, bam, I loved it. Yeah. And I never looked back. Yeah. And, uh, and then after that, about you know five years in, he said, one day you're going to run your own company. And I said, no, no, I want to continue to work for you. And he said, no, that's not going to happen. You're, you have to go do your own thing. And when it was time was right, and when he walked in his office, he looked at me and he said, this is a sad day for me, but it's what you need to do. And uh, that was that. Amazing boss. Oh, he's a great guy. Because you hear so many stories of the opposite, right? Where the guy goes in, wants to spread their wings, and the body, you don't want to do that. Why do you want to take that chance? You know, and, and 
typically that's the response. Yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty rare that it's the opposite. Although, you know, uh, for the generation coming up, I think we're going to find more and more of that. Yep. You know, let's be honest, you're an entrepreneur yourself now. So if one of your staff came to you with this great idea, chances are I think you'd at least want to support them and, and wish them well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. You know, life is about being a good person, not about making money. Yeah. And, you know, if you're a good person and you do what you're supposed to do, it'll all work out anyway. Right. Right. And keeping that as the uh, main motivator eliminates us from making greedy decisions or decisions that negatively impact somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know? It's mm-hmm. a hard thing to remember when you've got your own agenda, but um, but it is what it is. Yeah. So you're working for somebody full-time, and now you transition to becoming an entrepreneur. Was there is there anything that came at you, Jason, in those early days where you weren't really prepared for it? Maybe some lessons you can pass along to our, our, our listeners. Maybe have one or two things that came up. You thought, oh, geez, I should have seen that one coming, and I didn't. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, actually, it's interesting you ask that question because I was just getting ready, having my uh, breakfast this morning, and literally this exact thought came into my mind. If you want to start a business... Make sure that you're prepared to to uh, get it right the third time, right? Like right away. You want to get into a business and you have money or you have time and you think it's going to take X amount of time, triple that, triple your money, triple your time, triple everything because you're going to learn and you're going to make mistakes the first two times. And it's, you know, when somebody else told me that you're going to make a lot of mistakes and so on and so forth and, and I'm like, no way, man. I'm smart. I can avoid making mistakes. Well, you want to make mistakes. You want to make the mistakes so you can learn. Experiential learning when you're an entrepreneur is key. And if you come out of the gate thinking that you're going to be right the first time, A, you'll miss learning a lot of great stuff. But B, you might get discouraged and give up. And so you're better to walk into the situation knowing that the first two things you're going to do are probably going to flop. And by the time you get to the third one, you'll feel mature. You'll realize that... The world's not always about peaks and valleys. Sometimes it's just about the, the little bumps along the way. And you'll make more sense to everybody listening to you. So I would say that, uh, you know, prepare. Go after it thinking to yourself, okay, I'm going to get this wrong twice. And the third time I'm going to come out and just nail it. Did, did you have any mentors when you started out? Oh, yeah. I, sur- I always surround myself with mentors. Yeah. I always do that. It's uh, I don't want to say it's a hidden secret, but I find that entrepreneurs, they, they're... <clears throat> they're so full of pride and they think they can do it themselves. It's almost like they, I don't know if you agree, but it's almost like they don't want to reach out and, and ask the tough questions or ask someone to help them. Would you agree with that statement? Oh, yeah. I think there's a lot of that out there in the world. Um, you know, I was fortunate. I'm a, I'm a professional horse trainer as well. Hmm. And uh, what I learned in horse training is that everybody has a role that all plays a role in the success of the herd. And when you look at that, you think to yourself, you know, who am I? And, and um when you're bold and you're assertive and you're things like I was growing up as a kid, you know, everybody finds everything wrong with you. When you want to stand in the light and you want to be the loud one getting attention, you have to be prepared to hear everything that's wrong with you because that's what happens, right? You go out with a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm and the equal balance comes back that just, you know, presses all the things that are wrong with you. And that's that's the way the world works. And so when... Um, during that process, and the thing I guess I gravitated in the horse training that I did and the research, I five years of intense study on it, was uh, who I am in the herd. Hmm. You know, who I am. And, you know, there's 16 different types of personalities 
uh, like primary personalities in the human species and then an unlimited combination thereafter. Because there are so many different people that need to be involved to making it work. It's not just about one person. And the sooner you can find out who you are, and the sooner you can be really good at that, like the real, who you really are, and then know that in order for you to be successful, you have got to partner up for the, for the well-being of your company, your herd, or whatever. And the sooner you can do that, the, the sooner you'll be happy. You'll have people around you who support you, and it'll start to work. So anybody who thinks that they can do it on their own, it's just not going to work that way. That's not the way we're designed. We are a herd animal. We like family. We like people. And you got to make room for people. So find out who you are and be really good at that. Is there anything, you mentioned the 16 personality traits, and I've never heard it described that way, and I think what you're really saying is to be self-aware as an entrepreneur. Is there is there anything that, that someone can do, maybe that's just starting out, Jason, that, that can help them become more self-aware? Is there uh, tests or anything online where they can find, okay, this is my personality trait, therefore I need to surround myself yeah. with people that are different to me? I assume that's is this where you're going with this? This episode of the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. Extension Marketing acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies to grow your business. Email them at workshop at extensionmarketing.com to procure free one-hour marketing consultation to grow your business. Well, it, it, it wasn't, but I will. Okay. okay. <laughs> so actually, there is, a, there is something called a Maslow's Hierarchy of Need. Okay. And it's empirically supported. Every single university on the planet uh, teaches Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And it's a triangle, basically, a pyramid that outlines uh, every stage in human development from the time you're a baby to self-awareness. And most people don't get past their own ego, hmm. right? You got to do some inward looking and be okay with your weaknesses and, and appreciate who you are to get past your ego into self-awareness. And very few people make it that way, which is why it's at the top of the pyramid, right? And, uh, but there's a process there and read, read about it, you know, give, inform yourself about mm-hmm. it. Listen to the people around you. When people give you feedback, don't take offense to it. Listen to it. doesn't mean you have to agree with it, but there might be a nugget in there that just really gives you some insight to who you are and uh, be okay with being wrong. You know, yeah. those things are all ways to attract feedback for you to continue to develop, get past your own ego. And uh, that's probably the biggest key. Do you think? Do you think people shy away from that because it, may, it sounds like it's a lot of heavy lifting, and and it is. I've I've been through this process myself. Like it's a lot of, like you said, maybe admitting things you don't want to admit. And and uh, I, do you think perhaps people are just kind of blow past it, saying, you know, I don't have time for that. I should focus on trying to run my business. When in fact, you may want to start with that. Is that a is that a fair statement to make? Yeah, I, I think it is, and I also think that uh, part of the problem. But the challenge we face is we want to be right. Somehow, somehow in our society, you know, there's, I'm sure there's all sorts of people who can hypothesis what this is. But somehow in our society, we want to be right. And being right doesn't make any difference. It really doesn't make a difference. Right or wrong, you're going to live, you're going to die. That's it. Mm-hmm. And the people who are okay with being wrong and okay with being right have a happier life. And so I'm not like, like that to me should be the priority. That's the kind of stuff they should teach kids in school is who are you? And it's okay to be right and wrong. Maybe it's the school system. You know, you got to get an A, mm-hmm. you got to be right. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to say that they didn't do the job right because they don't want to be embarrassed and they don't, you know, there's no social support for being wrong. 
And um, that's a really interesting point. I wonder if this is ingrained in us from the time we start. Oh yeah. School. Well, think about it. Yeah, right? of course. Hey, you know what? Makes perfect sense. You want to win? Here you go. Here, right. Hey, you got to win. And then you get shamed into being wrong. Well, yeah. wait a second here. I just said a few minutes ago that you know you can be an entrepreneur, be wrong twice, and then the third one works. Right. Well, how does that work then? If you can't face yourself for being wrong. Yeah. If I don't know, it makes me less of a person. Really? Mm. No. If you don't know, you can learn something. And how exciting is that? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Our philosophy and perspective is 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 wacky when yeah. it comes to around that. Yeah. So you know you you have a team of people that work for you. Is this something that you're? Are these lessons you're trying to pass along to them? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. The uh, the first in all the when I hire everybody and I love my people. I I actually spend time. Um, enjoying them, getting to know them. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean I'm a nice guy all the time, by the way. Right. I don't run around, you know, kissing people's butts or anything yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. I'm, yeah. They would say that, you know, I'm hard-ass sometimes. Yeah. But uh, uh, what's true, though, is that I love and respect every single one of my employees, and I want them all to be the best versions of them that they can possibly be. And, um, you know, when I, when I hire somebody for a specific job, and if I find out just through knowing them that it's not the right job for them or maybe they have a inclination for something else, then I'll change the job to fit their personality or their skill set so that they become happier and uh, that they can fulfill what it is that they want to do in their life. And because of that, everybody who works for me loves the company, loves working with me. They get up in the morning, they, they like coming to work, they all believe in it because I believe in them and it's about them being them. Who cares about the technology? It's going to change in a few years anyways. But you know what doesn't change is feeling valued and having a place that you can really grow and, and that you can feel appreciated and enjoy your life. That's, that's what we're doing here on the planet, right? And a lot of people just don't do that with their companies. They just come here and they do your job and get paid and go out the door. I mean, how cold is that? Who wants to work for that? I don't. Yeah. Is that something that came to you? Like, like did you have an instinct about this? Or is it something that you were taught from the from the place where you used to work? Well, I got burned a lot of times working for companies okay. where it was all about the money. But I also, um, you know, I've been a different person all the way along, you know, right from the time I was four. I just, there's always been something different about uh, me and life. And um, and I say four because there's some memories back there. But, but, you know, I guess I just knew what I wanted in my life and how I wanted it to look, and that was it. You know, and uh, and I find the society just isn't that way, and so it's always been a, a really a challenge for me, you know, getting along with standard ways of people living their lives. Like my parents were very much the go get a job that has a pension and la 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 la, and that's your life. I'm like, no way, man. That's forget about it. Mm. So I went on a world adventure and got mm. to see the planet and did all sorts of great things, and you know, I've I've done all sorts of stuff. And I love it. I, I'm here to enjoy my life and help other people do the same. You, you, you sound, and I don't know this for sure, but you sound like you're, you're a lifelong learner. Is that a, yeah? Is that an assumption they can make? Oh yeah, for okay. sure. Yeah. Is there any, uh, is there any uh, books or anything that have influenced you from a business perspective that you uh, may suggest our listeners would, uh, could benefit from, from, from reading? Yeah. Yep. There are. There's two books that I use a lot in my mind: The Art of War, uh, the Sun Tzu, the Art mm-hmm. of the Chinese of Philosophy book. Um, you know, that's an interesting book, you know, when you read it, it's like, you know, rocks roll downhill, you know, and <laughs> don't try to change the direction of a river. People read it and go like, what? But, but what that is, that that's a book about universal wisdom, 
on how uh, things actually operate. And, and when you actually understand the rules that, that are trying to be conveyed in that book, then you can interact with the world around you better by just focusing on the things you can change and avoiding the things that you can't. And so that's the underlying lesson. But anyway, so I got a chance to speak to a Chinese philosopher about the book after, which was amazing. And, you know, I'm really grateful for the life I've had. It's really fun. Yeah. But anyway, so we were having lunch and he goes, oh, you read the book? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, how long did it take you? That's the test question, I guess. I go, three days. He goes, three days. I go, yeah. You failed that test. No, he goes, he goes, it takes some people like a lifetime to read that book. And, uh, and he goes, wow. So he told me at that point, which made a ton of sense to me, that when you read the book, it um, is a reflection of your life experience. In that moment in time? That's right. right. And it changes right. every time you read the book. So uh, Chinese people, when they go to do some life-changing thing, they'll read the book first to see where they are in their life and their current level of wisdom and their mm. understanding of the world, and then they'll make their decision. And then if they read it again six months later, they get a different message. And it's amazing. That, that, so that book to me is, is, is really great. The other one is Guns, Germs, and Steel. Wow. And uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel is... Haven't heard of that. It's 15,000. Well, Discovery Channel did a movie on it. Okay. Uh, Douglas Niles is the author. Hmm. Uh, 15,000 years of uh, uh, evolution of society from like when the wheel was made in 200 BC and then the guy who made it died. They forgot how to make it for 200 years and made it again later. I mean, it's all sorts of great lessons about knowledge transfer. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, but the point is, though, in that book, what you find is that everything has a cycle and all sorts of things are, are, are linked. Like, for example, the four major languages in the, in the world that are completely geographically disconnected were all made within the same 200-year span out of 15,000 years. So, like, the evolutionary, you know, curve of humanity and our knowledge and all these things. And there's just so many examples of that in that book that, um, you know, you get to find out where you are now in life and where life is and, and, and get to see all these different changes that happen, which make you okay with the way that the world goes around. So, to me, those two books mixed in and, you know, ambition and self-awareness and all these other things you know, give me the, the working tools to go out and start playing around the world and figure out how it works. So, so, the, so the, how often do you reread The Art of War or do you reread it? I haven't read it. I have not reread okay. it in a long time. But you know what I do, though? I think about it and I go through the teachings of it almost every day. Hmm. Like, I keep it current. And when I'm talking to my employees, I'll philosophize about it all the time. When I'm developing a product or listening to my clients, I use the, 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 that knowledge every day. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's amazing how wonderful it is. But uh, what happens is, is that my relationships with all of my customers and my employees have, have grown because of it. And I can see it. Wow. Yeah. What, what, what do you do from a time management perspective? I mean, you've, you're running this business. You've got a young family. How do you, is there any, uh, is there any techniques you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, things man, that I, they could do to be more productive? I used to work 23 hours a day. I really did. And it was crazy. I, I lost so much time with my family, um, you know, just trying to, to, I guess, find my my uh, validation for what I was doing and trying to push it forward. And and um, what uh, what happened was uh, we grew. I started to delegate. I hit, I hit a wall. Mm. Yeah, I hit a wall. Nobody can work like that for no. years like I was no. doing. And... Um, it was exhausting. And 
So then I just found some really great people to surround myself with that are very capable, that I trust, that I started delegating to. And so I started taking time off, you know, and it's, it's not because of money. I, still, I, I don't pay myself. I don't I mm-hmm. invest all the money back in the company. But what I do now, though, is I spend more time with my family. And uh, people say, you know, people told me from the beginning, make sure you spend time with your family, right? And that's an impossible task in your mind when you know how much stress and pressure you're under. It's so challenging to do that, right? But the answer to me to that for me is, is in order for you to spend time with your family, you have got to be able to build a foundation to deal with business stress, that you got to do that. Because that will free you to spend time with your family. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's the right people. Maybe it's a good customer. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of different ways to figure that out. But if you, you know, to spend time and have a balanced life, you have got to be able to stabilize your business. And you have got to be able to focus on addressing the things that stress you out. And if you can do that, then you can have a little bit of freedom. But you can never give up, though. Yeah. <laughs> you can't walk away yet. Well, Tony Robbins has this great saying, it's not about, if you're an entrepreneur, it's not about work-life balance, it's about work-life integration. And I think yeah. that's probably pretty fair. I mean, uh, you know, it's difficult to turn it off, let's be honest, but if you can be in the moment when you're with your family, you know, what, what's more valuable? A true hour or two of quality time with your kids, but it's quality time versus hanging out with the kids for four or five hours, but you're disengaged, right. you're on your computer, you're checking your phone or whatever your deal is, I, I would argue uh, a quality over quantity yep. And when it comes to that integration. Yep, I'd agree to that. My wife would say that I'm on my phone too much still. <laughs> and I think it's true. You know, yeah. uh, But that's it, true. That's true of anybody. You don't have to be an entrepreneur to be on the phone true. too much. That, well, that is true. That yeah. is true. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and definitely not on the phone all the time because it's entrepreneur driven. A lot of it's habitual. Yeah. So, you know, now we go kayaking and leave my electronics at home. And uh, nice. and it is what it is, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing you learn when you've, the first two times you make mistakes, by the way, uh, when you get into the third, you learn how to recover from mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to go do something and, and uh, a mistake is made the first time before I've made any mistakes, every mistake has got a huge weight to it. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. But the second time, you're like, oh my, here we go again. The third time, you're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we'll recover. It'll be fine. It's like having kids. The first one, they don't want them to eat the chocolate bar laying on the ground. The second one, you're like, just knock the hair off. Don't worry about it. It's the same thing, right? And so yeah. you got to go through that process. Nice. So uh, we're almost out of time. Um, you and I, before we went live, we, you talked a little bit about your philosophy about giving back. Maybe you can uh, share that with our listeners, please. Yeah, you know, and... and um, the world runs in balance. If you're going to take, you got to give, right? And uh, you know, SmartCone's uh, creating something called SmartCone Academia, where uh, I want to give as much opportunity for the young minds to go out and have a life as they possibly can. Um, it was a very challenging journey for me. At 18 years old, I was living, uh, doing plumbing and things like this at cottages and working to, for food and stuff like that. It was very difficult to find a job. Mm. And because I didn't have the university degree, nobody wanted to hire me. It was, it was a, definitely a challenge. And I don't think that's right. So, you know, part of the thing for me is I want to be able to support and give back to uh, kids who don't have all the advantages to give them parity with other people and uh, so that they can give, grow up and be the best versions of themselves and help make humanity great. 
and uh, that's our, my giving back philosophy. Nice. Sounds like a great cause. Thanks. Um, where can our listeners find out more about uh, about SmartCone? Oh, www.thesmartcone.com. That's thesmartcone.com. There's anyways, a little tricky word there. But yeah, it's uh, you can look up there. We have some uh, videos on YouTube and certainly through this program. And, and uh, yeah, great. Thanks for coming on the show, Jason. Appreciate your time. Oh, thank you very much. This has been great.